You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Corey Meister kind of bubbled into my awareness in the mid to late 2000s at a time when there was a lot of up-and-coming, hot, kind of teenaged surfers doing massive airs on small waves. But what stood out for Tori was just his versatility. I'd see, I think he did um, a couple of video submission contests like Intersection, and there was clips of him just charging huge waves at back door. And, um, and then the airs that he was doing were these really contorted, whipping, improvised airs that just looked unique and interesting. And in um, the economic downturn in 2008, Tory lost his main sponsor. But what impressed me most was that he began documenting his travels and his road, his career path, through a blog called Alter Ego. And so he'd post video clips of him on the road around the world, sponsorless, meaning he was doing it on his own dime. And that's where I really developed a lot of respect for Tori, because in those years, without the sponsor, was when he was doing his greatest surfing and improving his craft. And so I admired that. I was really gratified to see that when O'Neill did their Coldwater Classic event in 2013, where they offered first prize winner a sponsorship contract, that Tori was able to win that event and get the backing that he deserves for the talent that he possesses. So it's been a real rising from the ashes story for Tori, um, but. He's had a wild ride, and that's why I wanted to get his unique and inside perspective on all the things that we really discuss just speculatively in this show normally. Tori's lived it, and, uh, and that's why I wanted to have him on today's show. So, in our conversation, Tori tells us what it's like spending a year on the road attempting to qualify for the world tour. He gives us dollar amounts for what it costs. He tells us what it's like to be trapped in a cave at Pipeline. And really, he just shares his greatest lessons from life on the road. Tori finished 32nd last year on the qualifying series. He had a spot in the trials event for the Pipe Masters. In late November, in a warm-up session before the event, he paddled into a wave, suffered a serious wipeout, and has not been in the water since. That's where we begin our conversation. This is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and here's my conversation with Tori Meister. Yeah, I, I thought I was pretty late. Um, I was just I was in the trials for the for the Pipeline Masters, so I was just kind of getting warmed up. Um, pipe hadn't been very good, you know. The you know leading up to that, it was kind of a lot of sand, and we didn't have too many swells to wash it all out, so it was really dangerous and not really good. So I was kind of avoiding it and surfing sunset a lot because um, if I would have made a couple heats at sunset, I could have qualified. So all my focus was there. So that was kind of. You know, after sunset ended, I only had a few days to get pipe, you know, surf pipe again, and um, 
uh, you know when you grind out the whole QS the whole year you kind of <laughs> you don't yeah. get to surf pipe every day so so anyway it was like kind of one of my first sessions and um I thought they were gonna run that day it was you know four foot and pretty fun back door and uh the next swell looked pretty north and wild and um I thought they were gonna run so I went out there early in the morning and I was just uh trying out a, a few boards and uh, around eight o'clock or so they called it off and I was like all right perfect you know another day to practice and get ready for this event and um pretty much after they called it off that wave came in and I paddled for it and I, I remember looking at uh I think Dusty was paddling up the face of it and I was like shoot I feel like I'm a little too late and then and I, I heard someone say go and I was like, No, I got this <laughs> and then I don't think it was Dusty, but I think he kinda like looked at me like, Oh, this is a good one and I thought I thought it was a good one too and it was it was pretty doubled up and um and uh there was there's a lot of bad waves too. There's a lot of backwash and stuff kinda sure. going through it and um that one looked like it was gonna be a good one because of the double up on it and the wind was kinda coming on shore, so it just looked like it was gonna hit the reef right, um, yeah. kinda back door you you want to look for those ones that you know hit the reef right and um so i was like, all right i'm going and and i went and and i remember i was like oh man i'm pretty late but i think i got it and the line i had you know i felt like i was gonna make the drop I, there wasn't really i wasn't really second guessing myself i felt like oh i'm just gonna get you know make the drop and make it under this thing and hopefully i can get a pump to you know to get through it because i felt like i was a little uh, a little deep and i didn't even get that far yeah <laughs> um I don't know what it was on the wave if I if I hit a chop or something I know when I look at the footage there could have been like a little backwash on it that might have just made my fins slide but what happened was pretty much I just lost all my fins and so then I had no fins and all of a sudden I'm like doing a 180 yeah. <laughs> on this thing and you know thinking that you know my body's going one way my board's going the other yeah <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like yeah I'm probably gonna fall right now I but it happened so fast that I didn't even have time to fall properly you know like if I if I would have known I would have you know jumped and landed on my you know fell with my feet down rather than my stomach sure and uh so yeah I just I guess I just thought I was gonna make the wave and it was just kind of this random happening of my fin sliding out and you know uh and landing weird that caused me to rupture my spleen yeah when you hit the water did you know it was bad at that point um you know it I didn't think it was that bad. I hit yeah. the water and I was like, oh, that was sore. And I was like, I came up and actually Anthony Walsh was right there with a little GoPro and he's like, oh, how'd that feel, mate? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was a good kidney shot, but I didn't lose any air. Yeah. Which it, so I was like, oh, I'm all right. And then I, I paddled back out. I was going to catch another wave and I was actually out there talking to one of my friends and, you know, a couple minutes went by, about 10, 15 minutes went by and I was like, this thing feels like it's getting worse like I probably fractured I fractured my ribs before and it, okay. it was very similar to that feeling you know like uh, when you fracture your rib it's hard to breathe and that sure. was kind of where I was at like I was like man I'm having a hard time breathing so I actually paddled in <laughs> which you know as a surfer you never do no. <laughs> even after dark I'm yeah gonna catch one dark, more. no you're getting one more it doesn't matter if it's a great white shark circling yeah you get one more so yeah so I paddled in and um I got to the beach and I was kind of feeling it and you know, I kind of felt it was so hard to breathe that I felt like I might have collapsed a lung or something like that. Cause, but I've never done that before. But I, I don't know. I was just running through all the yeah, scenarios totally. in my head. Like, what happened? You know, this is worse than a bruised rib. You know, this is, feels kind of worse than a fracture. And um, so then I went up to the O'Neill house and uh, you know I took a hot shower. I started feeling a little bit better. And I went inside and got a glass of water. And that was probably one of the most painful things was just I don't know what it was if the water was cold I guess your spleen is kind of reactive to cold 
uh, oh. water and cold things. And um, yeah, it hurt really bad. And wow. I was like, well, that's kind of strange. I've never felt that before. And then so then I grabbed all my stuff and I went home. And as I was going home, my dad was leaving. And I'm like, hey, I, you know, I think I hurt my ribs. Like I might have fractured. I probably got to go to the, you know, the hospital later or get some x-rays on it because you know i was i was hoping his bruise i was just gonna you know yeah. <laughs> stick it out and surf my heat the next day yeah totally <laughs> yeah and um i went to lay down and that was kind of when i was like okay this is bad because i almost passed out and yeah yeah my head got super light and i almost just passed out on my bed and i was like all right we need to go to the hospital and and from that point that's when it got really bad and like it's the pain got really sore and uh I remember the ride to Kahuku Hospital from my house. I just every single bump, I could just feel it like someone was jabbing me. And you know. a rupture is basically a tear. So the impact from the massive belly flop tore his organ. The spleen plays multiple supporting roles in the body. It acts as a filter for blood as part of the immune system. The spleen also helps fight certain kinds of bacteria. Because of its location, the spleen is vulnerable to injury, and a rupture often leads to life-threatening internal bleeding. There are a few treatment options for Tori. Um, well, there's, well, the first thing, the number one option, they gave me three options. Number one option was obviously, you know, it stopped bleeding, and you don't have to get surgery. Okay. Number two was they go through an artery in your leg, and they go all the way up in there, and they... Um, what is it like singe it not it's not oh, the right like word cauterize cauterize it thank yeah. you I yeah, never yeah, yeah. Get that right but yeah <laughs> and then that hopefully stops the bleeding and then the worst um you know the worst thing that could happen is they remove the whole thing and so, you can live without it though you can live without it i heard um i heard you got to be on medications and stuff like that you know okay. for your immunity and whatever wow. else it does so right now i mean i'm still not out of the woods but um uh you know it's they said that it should be good by now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but if 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 it is bleeding, which it doesn't feel like it is, um, I would have to get it removed at this point. But right now, it feels good. So I got a CAT scan in a couple days, and it's gonna kind of determine whether it's completely healed or not, or how much longer I have. Right. But but as far as like being through it, you know, most likely it bleeding again, I'm through that stage at this okay. point. Yeah, so I'm going on two months. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah. I feel like when we watch Hawaii from California on the webcast and stuff and see all the footage come out, we see the best surfers in the world surfing big but perfect waves and it kind of lulls you into a false sense of security. <laughs> you know, we forget that it's as dangerous as it is. Yeah. Um, and then when wipeouts happen, like, did you see Leo Fioravanti's wipeout the other day? Yeah, I heard about it, yeah. Right? And he broke his back. He broke mm -hmm. two vertebrae. And it's like, I've seen wipeouts that are gnarlier than that mm -hmm. regularly. And guys just pop up out the back and, like, paddle out. <laughs> what is the difference, you know, between the ones that really put you out and the ones that don't? I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's a... You know, that's a great question. I feel like I've had way worse yeah. wipeouts at Pipe than the one I had there. Like, a thousand times worse. So I was like, oh, this is bad. I'm definitely going to, you know, get really worked here or break something. And, and for some reason, you just pop out of it. I think it's just maybe being unlucky and just the way you fall. Sometimes, you know, the way is so powerful and strong. You know, sometimes you just fall in the perfectly wrong spot or you fall in the perfectly okay yeah. spot. And all of a sudden, you're fine. And, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's... That's the only definition I can really think yeah. <laughs> that would 
You know? Yeah, I mean, I certainly understand all the variables surfing out here at the pier. Like, oh, you can get wrecked on a two-foot shore break when you don't expect to. Yeah. But at Pipeline, I wonder, you know, like for guys like Jamie O'Brien who live there and have surfed it all the time, mm-hmm. how well they actually know where those holes in the reef are or where the dangerous spots in the reef are, you know? Yeah, I'm sure he I'm, does for sure. Okay. Yeah, so there is an element of predictability, yeah, would you for, say? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Like there's, you know, there's places on the reef that if you go out with a mask and stuff, you can kind of figure out where sure. where they are, the holes and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, the inside of back door is really dangerous. There's, you know, it's really shallow and there's a lot of uh, holes and stuff in there. And um, But at the same time, I mean, everything happens so fast you know you could fall in a hole and i'm sure anyone could but um nothing you, know, you could do to avoid it yeah nothing you could really do jamie i think he's broke his leg out there a couple i think of, he broke yeah, both. twice yeah. yeah so it the thing about pipeline is surfing pipeline you just gotta know that it's gonna happen eventually yeah. and just kind of accept the fact and kind of roll with the punches you know uh jamie's actually funny i remember when i first um was younger i was like 17 and i went over to his house and um and i like broke my board before my heat or something and I was all bummed and he's like oh you, you broke your board and I was like yeah. I was like yeah so bummed like <laughs> and he's like ah, I broke both my legs out here you got to pay your dues girl <laughs> and I was like, nothing. yeah that's true <laughs> but I was like what am I gonna ride tomorrow it's supposed to be huge <laughs> it was like one of the first times I, I did that. I think it was a monster energy drink contest at that time or something. Yeah, yeah the monster pro. So but anyway, then you see guys like in perspective <laughs> it, for sure. But you see guys like Kelly who have surfed it as much as anybody who never seems to get injured. Yeah. Ever, you know? Yeah. So it's weird. I'm sure he has though. You we think just, so? Yeah. I remember he a couple years ago, he like fractured his rib on a wave yeah. out there, out there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was, yeah, he was actually i tried to go on that wave too and he was a little bit deeper oh. than me but <laughs> oh, good thing you didn't go then <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah um, but he fractured his rib on it but i mean yeah he's probably had a lot more things happen to him we don't even know of sure in social media these days every time someone gets injured you seems <laughs> like everyone knows <laughs> that's true yeah. what's the worst situation you've ever been in out there one time um it was actually last year's Volcom pro i got stuck in a cave during my heat and that was that was probably one of the scarier things that happened to me how does that go down um it was uh i think it was like first heat of the morning and i i went on this wave at back door and i i was pretty late and i but i made the drop and as i made the drop and i tried to pull up and as i did i it was like the wave had no bottom it just sucked me straight down and it was almost like I didn't really even hit that much water. It was kind of just like straight into a hole. And then I remember just getting pushed up against this thing. And I was kind of feeling around and I was like, oh man, I'm in a cave right now. <laughs> this is sketchy. And But it wasn't like I was like under the rock really. I was kind of like just getting pushed into it really hard. And I, um, so then I started feeling around. I, I felt my way out. And uh, meanwhile, you know, like the waves are so, it was almost a two wave hole down. And, uh, I was getting pushed up and finally it let go and as I was coming up, I mean, I must have been inches from getting a breath and my leash got wrapped around the rock that I was, so then I was like, oh my goodness. So then I had to go back down. So then I went back down and started jiggling my leash and like, I was like, all right, I got to rip this thing off. And right as I went to rip it off, it uncaught and then I, and then I came up and I came up like in the wave of the next wave and that freaked me out a little bit and I was pretty scared, but, uh, but 
I ended up having the best heat. Oh, <laughs> after really? That. Did you make it through the <laughs> yeah, heat? Yeah, I made it through, but I got some of the best ways I did at That's that crazy. contest. But so you could regain composure after that and yeah, get a few more. Yeah, well, the waves are pumping, so That's so <laughs> funny. Because on the webcast too, like the announcers don't know that happened. Obviously, uh, they might have thought like, "Oh, that was a gnarly wipeout," but you're yeah. struggling for your life. You know? Yeah, you don't even know. Yeah, yeah, That's it's crazy. pretty funny. The I know it's it's crazy with all the technology and stuff. Sometimes like people, you know, they can't tell what you're going through out there. Like I broke a board at Haleiwa this year, and no one even knew I broke a board. And oh, I really? came onto the beach, grabbed the new board, and paddled all the way back out. <laughs> I think one of the commenters was like, "Man, Corey's really blowing it. Like he's not catching any waves." <laughs> and I was like, "We've been on the beach for like ten minutes, man. Give me a break." <laughs> well, we um we talk about that on the show sometimes about like how they can improve the webcast basically for the viewers right uh, and it's like that story of being stuck in the cave they can't necessarily tell in real time mm -hmm. but it's super interesting and i would love to have heard that during the broadcast in some way yeah right you know and i'm i don't have any advice for them on how to capture that story yeah, but it's kind it, of a weird it, one. <laughs> but it would be i mean that's fascinating yeah you know it, that would be the most interesting story of the event yeah it makes it uh it definitely like you know tells you how dangerous surfing is yeah, yeah. And yeah. Stuff which is like, cool for the totally, sport <laughs> totally and stuff like that probably happens with regularity mm -hmm. you know for sure and people don't even know unless the guy wins the heat and is like oh yeah i got stuck in a cave i almost died <laughs> yeah. yeah um i'm curious about growing up in hawaii like on the big island of hawaii specifically and like it doesn't get as much attention obviously is Oahu but even like Maui nowadays has tons of talent coming out of there and it seems like maybe they've got the right film crews with them now or guys who are interested in filmmaking that have been able to kind of document that movement um, and Kauai obviously with the Irons Brothers and everybody else what was it like growing up on the Big Island and how is it different? Um, growing up on the Big Island was awesome for me. Was um, it? Yeah I loved being there and uh, you know, we had Shane Dorian and Conan Hayes. Those were kind of our mentors at the time. And, well, still Shane is for sure. sure. And, um, and you know, the waves don't get as big usually. Um, it's pretty rare for the waves to get as big as the North Shore and stuff like that there. So it is kind of sheltered from all the other islands. You know, we get blocked. So the degrees are really what's important. That's really okay. what makes the Big Island break and, and be good. But um, one of the coolest things about growing up on the Big Island was... Um, just like it's you know real raw it's all reef and stuff like that so it gets you really comfortable with you know really shallow reef i think the big island has probably the most alive reef i've ever seen you know you mm. get you touch it and it's just like you got it's like razor blades it just really? cuts you open so you know we, we kind of have that you know part where you get comfortable with surfing a reef break you know the, yeah the break i grew up banyans you know it's just this sick little left and right and it, it kind of reminds me of like a little bit of a lowers you know okay. it, it's really riffable and it breaks you know 365 days out of the year and there's always waves and it gets you know breaks in the summer and it breaks in the, in the winter too so uh that was pretty much the coolest you know training ground for me yeah um, you know that's also shane's local spot and right so having him come down there and surf was always inspiring and then he always had his surf contest right. you know the keiki surf classic and all those you know kelly would come and rob machado would come and all these guys and uh yeah so he always brought the talent to kind of show us kids what we need to do <laughs> sure what's access like i mean the north shore is like the seven mile there's waves kind of right next to one another yeah is it centralized like that um kind of 
kind of is, but not 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 like the North Shore for sure. Um, you need a car to get you around. You need a car, but you need a car that's lifted with a four wheel drive because there's okay. a lot of places that are really good and they get really good, but no one really knows it. You know, there's not a surfline cam or anything like right. that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of in the middle of nowhere, and uh, you know, the the Big Island is is so much different than. Um, you know it's always changing you know you, you'll go to a place and it's like you're on the moon don't quote me on this but i i've always been always told that there's 13 climactic zones in the world and we have 11 of them on the big island oh my and then God. i heard it's eight so i don't know it's one sure. of the, it's around those numbers so that's that's pretty amazing but you it know, snows there right it snows yeah. yeah and we got you know uh yeah like rainforest yeah and, and then we got the lava rocks and then we just we got all kinds of stuff and you have these you know little nooks and crannies where that, that get good but you have to know and yeah. that's the thing that kind of separates the big island i think from uh from oahu is you got to know where to go and sure and it's a big island too you know we right. can fit all the islands in in our to- in our one island right. <laughs> so there's a lot of driving and <laughs> you got to be motivated but you know growing up at banyans was good because it broke so much there's ways all the time and um and then the talent that i had growing up with too was insane um you know uh tonino benson and yeah. casey brown those kids were uh, same age as me and so those were like my main competition and that was kind of our healthy little pushing each other yeah kind of deal so it was good what was it like in terms of uh like industry support you know like i'm sure sponsors are willing to give out contracts on the north shore probably more likely yeah for sure um but yeah north shore was kind of like the next step like you know the big on you was really nice you know like you get your airs and all that kind of stuff down but really the next step I think for us was going to Oahu and proving ourselves there and um, you know my dad uh, he moved to Oahu so that kind of made it easier for me to go over there and spend a lot of time on the North Shore Um, you know I always went there when I was a kid but I kind of moved there when I was you know 15 or 16 and spent a lot of winter uh, days there because you you have to be there you know even I mean Albie and Matt they're kind of you know they're making a whole new niche sure. but during that time you know going to pipe going serving pipe and sunset and getting good in those kind of waves is that was really important i still believe it really is i mean it's part of the triple crown it's yeah it's the most prestigious three events of the year so um, any interest i mean obviously pipeline's a big wave but do you have any interest in like big wave surfing kind of uh, beyond that yeah have sure. you had much experience um you know just on the north shore and stuff like that i'm um, not as experienced as you know some of those guys, but um, I really definitely have a passion for big wave surfing. I, I love you know going out there and being scared out of your mind and you know and conquering your fears, I guess. And uh, I definitely want to try to get better at a, a place like Jaws or something like that. And have you spent a couple? Any, have you spent any time out there? Uh, I went twice. One time was I was towing in. It was a long time ago. It was like 2009, I think. Okay. I went for this time they ran the eddy it was the last time they ran the eddy i went for that swell and that was kind of i've never even towed into anything before so i was just kind of like shoulder hopping and stuff (laughs) there was like uh, 50 jet skis and like you know eight boats or whatever it was four boats and and there was like helicopters everywhere it was pretty overwhelming but it was it was cool and then um i went another i went last year and i um stayed with albie and when it was it wasn't that big it wasn't as big as any of these last swells or anything but uh but uh you know i got one and broke my board and that was kind of cool and so <laughs> i was like man i want to get a good one like <laughs> i don't want it to end like this i want to make one so yeah what's it like being out there 
Um, That's another wave that it looks so perfect and blue and idyllic that uh-huh. I know it is nothing like that when you're out there probably, you know? Yeah, for sure. One thing I was really surprised was just the way it comes in. Um, like, I've surfed like Waimea and stuff before, and when when Jaws comes in, it, it almost, like my first 30 minutes, I was tripping out because it looked like it was going to close out. Oh, okay. And I was like these guys are like going on these waves and these are like 20 foot closeouts like these guys are crazy like, yeah. i couldn't believe how he's like just head down and going and i was like that way he's gonna close out for sure and then i'll look back and they'll you know see like a spit or something and then he'll make it and i was like oh that's weird maybe that was just a lucky one but it happened over and over again and that was kind of like pushing myself like all right this is a good wave even though it looks like it's gonna close out like i wouldn't go on this wave if it was at waimea because it looks like a, you know sure yeah because it looks like it's just gonna close out but um it took me a while to get over that like yeah it took me like an hour to like or so or 30 minutes to actually catch a wave because i kept thinking they were gonna close out just the way it looks but it was kind of like a big v-line if, i guess the best way to describe it i could see that kind of comes like this and you know, it pushes off the reef, and it, and then those ones that kind of come wide are the good ones, and they right. kind of barrel and stuff, and then, and then you got that, you know, that peak farther outside. You know, it's kind of like the more northern peak or whatever, and yeah. kind of rolls in, and uh, and then there's a left too, and right. but uh, I wasn't really paying attention to the left, right? <laughs> but yeah, um, it was definitely a humbling experience. That wave's crazy, you know. Even yeah. the wave that I went down on, it was like just I got so annihilated, and it was a. It was a cool experience, but I was I was really bummed I broke my board. I was like, oh, really? Like mm-hmm. it was the only big board I had too, so oh, I couldn't okay. I didn't go back out. Right. <laughs> really, so so that was unfortunate. But. Talking kind of about the business of surfing, um, I remember you were with Billabong back in the day. Was that facilitated by Shane at all on the Big Island, or um, how did that come together? Kinda, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure Shane helped me in in that um, aspect of getting on Billabong. Sure. Um, Actually, I think the main person that got me on Bill along was uh, Dino and Dino. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, we uh, we went on a trip to El Salvador. It was a long, it was long I was on Fox at the time. And, um, uh, yeah, we just went down there for his, I think it was a Dino and Snips camp. I don't know if you remember that. But, uh, anyway, so the waves were pumping. We, and we had an epic trip. And, I don't know, I guess he, he liked the way I surfed. And he was kind of like, yeah should pick this guy up and that's awesome and then so yeah that that next year they, they did and i was with them for four years yeah yeah i was surprised when you got let go i, I remember like i'd watched um like you were doing some stuff with aaron lieber i yeah. think did he do your intersection he did my intersection yes. yeah yeah so i saw all that stuff and it was like i was blown away by how well you surfed <laughs> you, you know <laughs> and so when you let were let go though i mean it was just one of many who got let go and that had nothing to do with your surfing of course (laughs) more to do with the economic downturn but um throughout i mean what was that 2010 2011 uh, yeah i got let go in 2010 okay so up until 2011 i had no sponsor yet so up until last year with the o'neill cold water classic so you had like three years two or three years yeah without a main sponsor three years yeah what's it like doing the cute qualifying series with no main sponsor <laughs> what's that lifestyle like um it was, well the first couple years it was pretty much impossible uh, really yeah so in um 2010 i had a pretty bad year i i think i ended up finishing like one 130 or something on the qs so i wasn't even in the primes and then i got dropped by billabong and so 2011 i didn't even focus on uh doing any of the qs's really okay. i kind of just did 
a couple events that were close that I could afford. Um, you know, I still had Sanook, and they've just been awesome. And Inspire at the time was supporting me a lot. So I've had really good sponsors behind me, you know, that kept me going and yeah. kept, you know, kept food on the table. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Which is important to point out because I feel like lots of times people and webcasters will say, oh, that person's sponsorless. Yeah. And it, they're not. They're you not, know, they yeah. don't have a title sponsor, I guess. But For sure. But sometimes, yeah. I it mean, overlooks the value of those companies. It does. And sometimes the littler sponsors are, you know, they can be better than, you know, the, the big ones. So, totally. Yeah. So the um, one thing I, I think uh, I didn't realize as much, you know, like when you're a kid and well, I was riding for Bill Long and. I kind of maybe I expected a lot, you know, and uh, okay. and I, there's things now that I realize that I could have been a little more calm with, you know what I mean, or a little more like, oh, you know, you know, the economy's bad, maybe, you know, I should just bite the bullet and prove myself rather than asking for things, you know like what I mean? Any specific examples? Well, just you know, the money that I was making at the time to do the QS, it was really hard to to do the whole QS on it. Yeah. So I, you know, when I got dropped, I asked for more. And they didn't like that, you know, that I wanted more and sure. stuff. And so just because it was, you know, really hard, I wasn't making anything. Yeah. I was spending absolutely everything. Actually, I was spending more. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess I could have just bit the bullet and, mm -hmm. you know, been like, all right, whatever, that's fine. Then I'll take what I can get. You know, right. after after three years of not having a sponsor, um, you know, sometimes I wish I would have done that. But then, you know, the thing, the way things worked out, it actually worked out kind of better and you just appreciate things more you know and even the little things you know like just getting a box of clothes or right. just getting a sticker on your board it's it's crazy like now the economy is bad like it's you really have to just take what you can and you know just do your best and um i think what matters the most is just the love for surfing you know like yeah. instead of like for kids and stuff like that i know as a kid you're always trying to get more and more and um i think uh you should just surf because you love it and yeah. it has nothing to do with the money at all and the money will just come or whatever you know and um that was something you know you, you, i think you just learn that yeah you get <laughs> it was an older age you know yeah, yeah for sure when you're hiring for a small business you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role and there's no faster or effective way than through linkedin jobs your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But, um, you did 14 QS events last year, I think, 2014. Uh-huh. Um, and you finished 31st in the rankings, which is worth pointing out. Like you said, if you made a couple more heats at sunset, you would have qualified. Um, I guess 16th place was the cutoff for Ricardo Christie, and you were in 31st. Yeah. So um, I'm curious about like doing 14 events. What are the what are the expenses like? Can you share numbers like what can you expect to spend following the qualifying series over 12 months? Um, I think probably it's a good. 30 grand okay i would say yeah or more, more. 40, i was i was thinking 40 or 50 more yeah i mean it depends I mean, it depends if you travel by yourself um sure <laughs> if you're sharing rooms with people and, and stuff. it depends on the places you're going but yeah yeah 50 grand you're com- you know okay yeah about everything together would probably yeah. be 50 grand yeah just the qs too that's not even counting like photo trips and stuff like that right you know that you usually have to pay for these days so how I know this varies from person to person based on your results, but I mean, how likely is it that contest earnings actually uh, balance out with the expenses? Um, yeah, I mean, they they help if you're make if you're doing well. You know, it's what is it? It's forty grand if you win a six star prime, I think. I believe, yeah. So if you're winning, yeah. Well, what's your what what round are you looking to get to to break even? I guess is the well, most trips will cost around like three three to five thousand dollars i would say yeah each one and um so that is a ninth around a ninth oh, i think it's man. four it's four grand you get for a ninth so yeah i mean you're, a lot of times you're not breaking even yeah yeah so, there's a hundred and something guys yeah. spending the three or four grand and not breaking even exactly so yeah and about there's a ninth nine guys is, make breaking even <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah it, it's rough i mean if you lose in that first round i think you get what like nine hundred dollars or something yeah so yeah that's that, that might pay for your boards or a rental car <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's brutal, especially without a sponsor. And you know, I uh, in 2012 I did a couple events and I was able to get into Prime, so I just did the whole thing out of my pocket. And I was like, you know, I don't care if I have a sponsor or not. Um, if I'm getting into Primes, I want to I want to do it. And um, so I pretty much did every single Prime six star event, and I put myself in like a lot of debt. I I didn't do well too, so oh, that no. was another thing that was hard. I, only made a few heats um, I mean I still finished in the top 100 that year but I was you know making one or you know one heat maybe here and there and that, mm-hmm. I didn't get a ninth or anything like that so I put myself probably about $20,000 in debt dang yeah from that year and then I won the cold water at the end of that year and um and then I pretty much used all my uh my contest earnings to pay off that debt <laughs> sure from uh good. the year before good strategy and yeah i got i got through it so i was stoked on that and then yeah and so i should point out to listeners who aren't aware like the o'neill cold water classic that year implemented a brand new idea which was we're gonna have the one winner we're gonna give a fifty thousand dollar sponsor one year contract to basically and so i don't know did second place even get anything at all or no yeah so 16 guys winner take all yeah 16 16 guys guys, winner take all and you won that event yeah and they did it again (laughs) this past year nate yeoman's won which was good to see Mm -hmm. um so i always wonder too like with that fifty thousand dollar contract 
is um, there a travel budget in addition to that, or is it just like here's 50k for you to either take spend how you want? Um, yeah, no, there's no travel fund, so okay. it's just 50k to spend how you want, but uh, it's directed towards doing the QS. Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, and I wanted to qual- well, I, I want to qualify still, so <laughs> yeah, that's my dream. So that's I use it, you know, towards that. And that way. that one year is expired. Uh-huh. Have you guys renewed, or what's that look like? Yeah, I, I'm blessed enough to be resigned this year for another year for 2015s. That's super, amazing. Super stoked. Yeah, that was something. <laughs> Thank that you, O'Neill. <laughs> nobody, nobody discussed that in the press. Yeah. Or did they? And I just missed it. No. Nobody did yeah. because even during this year's, this past year's Coldwater Classic, I was like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen to Tori now. Yeah. Like <laughs> they're putting Nate on and kicking Tori off, or what's the deal, you know? Yeah. But then I, I saw some of your Hawaii campaign, and I was like, oh, he still got the sticker, so it must be on. Yeah. yeah you know. Year, I'm super stoked. Cool. Yeah, so. So I guess yeah. what you did then throughout the last year probably dictated their decision right they were happy yeah i think yeah they said they were happy so good they, they kept me on so good. i'm really stoked yeah good good for you congratulations thank you <laughs> um what do you think the prospects would have been like if you did not win that cold water classic uh, what would 2014 have looked like knowing that you're 20 grand in debt like do yeah. you commit another 20 grand i i don't I, at that point i don't think i would have um yeah i might have just tried something different I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the future would have held. I was kind of thinking, because, you know, that contest was towards the end of the year, and I was like, man, I don't, I don't think I can do this another year, you know. I'll, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll just do the events that are close, you know, maybe I'll, if Lowers or Huntington, because I was still, you know, able to get into the prime, so maybe I'll just do ones that are really close and, you know, ones I have friends at and I can stay sure. at, You know what I mean? That's kind of how I did 2000 and, uh, and 2012. It's just kind of you know stayed at the places I could and yeah. whatever but um but yeah I definitely wouldn't have uh gave it that much of a you know go I would have been more like doing little pro-ams around here trying to get money and pay off that debt yeah yeah because I don't like being in debt <laughs> no absolutely not it's a lot of pressure man yeah it's a lot of pressure it's like there's already enough pressure on you to make a heat and then when you add that yeah and that's what's crazy about it when you like I, Kelly's talked about this at times where things come down to literally a wave, mm-hmm. you know, like you can hinge your entire year on a wave that you either <laughs> made or you didn't make, or you should have gone on when you, and so for you with that cold water classic, there was probably heats, if not the final, maybe it was in the earlier rounds where it's like, had you not made that wave and gotten that score, you wouldn't have gotten that contract <laughs> and you would have not, you know, it's like yeah, crazy. It's crazy how it all works out. I know it's funny when, Usually you look at, <laughs> I like how you looked at it like that, but usually you're like, man, if I would have went on that wave, I would have made sure. the heat. <laughs> but yeah, for sure, you know, surfing is crazy. It's, there's so many variables, and if you don't make that, you know, perfect split decision, yeah, it, it can either go your way or, or not. So, yeah. Yeah. And then you think you're doing the right thing, and you rupture your spleen. Yeah, you know, you exactly. see that wave coming, and you're like, this is the one, yeah. and then something goes wrong. So Exactly. You it's, never know. That's life, right? You just got to roll with the punches and yeah. stay as positive as you can. <laughs> well, um, the other kind of the flip side is there's so much talent. You know, like the flip side of the uh, economic downturn is what I mean is like there's more talent now than there's ever been Mm -hmm. and because everybody all the brands went through that belt tightening of like let's cut expenses i think they're more cautious of how they spend their money as well Mm -hmm. you look at guys um who are in very similar scenarios as you like 
Granger Larson surfs unbelievably well. Yeah. Um, Clay Marzo. Yeah. I was watching footage of Lee Wilson today uh-huh. from Bali. Like, he's never done the QS, but, like, the guy is a world-class surfer. Yeah. You know, there's just so much talent everywhere yeah. that you realize, you go, crap, this brand, really, all they want to do is sell board shorts, and there's hundreds of guys who can help them sell board shorts. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it becomes very a precarious thing where it's like, yeah. what is one person's value versus the others? And yeah. um, it's interesting. It's something that I think we analyze more now than we ever did before mm-hmm. because there's that wealth of talent and this weird equation, you know? Yeah, for sure. And value it's can come down to that one wave too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Someone How does the that... craziest wave ever, their value goes up. And Totally. Yeah. And so. that's the other thing is those guys, like that top end, those guys are making so much money now too mm-hmm. that... I don't know. It's um, there's a bigger disparity, I guess, between like the super well-to-do versus the yeah. grinders, you yeah, know. For sure. And yeah. Not and there's not that much talent difference. There's just a huge wealth disparity, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like between John John and Granger Larson, it's like John John's better, but not that much better. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It is crazy, huh? Yeah. It's an interesting lucky, time. Lucky break. I guess you just gotta keep trying as hard as you can, no matter what, and don't yeah. get discouraged, you know. With um talking about like $50,000 contract and sponsor support and things like that when you sustain an injury like you did mm-hmm. um, do you have insurance through sponsors or how does that work uh, not through sponsors but I was um, practicing for for the pipe masters so the ASP uh, or the WSL sorry is taking yeah. care of that so that was really awesome They're that's amazing care, yeah because I mean between the you know all the, the cat scans x-rays and oh yeah and the ambulance ride and the three days in the hospital it was a big bill and uh they were nice enough you know to take care of that so we i've been paying that you know insurance since i've been <laughs> on the qs so it's paying off yeah thank you, you got it all back in one fell swoop <laughs> yeah i mean yeah um, that would have been a hard one <laughs> for sure um so even though you were practicing for the event, like they, that falls under that umbrella. It doesn't have to be during a heat. Yes. Yeah. So they have a really good insurance for us. Okay. Yeah. So when we're practicing for events or anything around the event, um, if we get hurt, the, the WSL, it takes care of it. So okay. our, we have a really good insurance with those guys. So that's nice. It's mm-hmm. good that surfers have that. Cause you that know, is nice. Yeah. Also something that never gets talked about, I guess, yeah. in the media. <laughs> it's a really good thing. <laughs> um, what ways do you see, or do you have any ways that you could see that the WSL could improve qualifying tour? Um, number one, for you, the surfer, to allow you to do the best surfing that you could do, but mm-hmm. also for us, the viewer, just to witness the best surfing. Yeah, for sure. I think the, uh, the number one thing that they could do to improve uh, the WQS is having you know better waves. Um, hmm. If you look at the tour, you know, you got Jeffrey's Bay, you got Chopo, you got Pipe and stuff like that, Snapper Rock, you know. They got point breaks and barreling waves, you know, you have have a few beach breaks, you know, like Rio and stuff like that. But on the QS, all we have are beach breaks and then we have Hawaii. So there's no point breaks, you know what I mean? There's there's nothing, there's not really a wave on tour that's going to, on the WQS tour that's going to get us ready for the WCT. Sure. It's all beach breaks and it's, you know, usually... I mean, they are good ways. I'm sure, you know, they can get good, just like anywhere. Yeah. But they can also be bad, too. So, um, why, it's like... Why don't they have it at places like Chopu and Jebe? Uh, I think it's... I mean, I'm not asking for, like, the best ways. Like, not have... You know what I mean? That yeah. would be awesome to have it there. But yeah. even if they had, like, 
a place like in El Salvador, like they used to have a yeah. QS there, and it's a great wave, you know, it's a point break. That would get you ready, you know, it's like a warm water J-Bay. It's not yeah. as good, but it's the next best thing. Like, I think they should have events in B-rated waves, you know, as, you know, the CT's the A-rated waves, and we should have B-rated waves that are close to it. You know, there's there's waves like Chile and Arica. It's a heavy wave. Yep. It would be a great to have a prime there. Like, right. it's better to have a prime there than you know some beach break that no one really wants to see you know yeah. what i mean like it as a viewer you want to see guys on heavy waves i'm sure there's a way more people tuning into the Vulcan contest at pipeline than there is to you know some little event that's a six-star prime it's rated a lot higher you know somewhere else around the world at some little beach break why I understand the financial decisions when they do the U.S. Open in Huntington. Obviously, that makes sense that, that they makes need sense. it. That makes sense, yeah. But why wouldn't they also have events at Good Waves like Arica? Yeah. As I, a, like, what's the reasoning behind it? Does it cost more to go I, one place versus another? Or? I think the reasoning is probably, yeah. I mean, I think the towns might help out with some of the, the you know, payment of the events. I'm not really sure. But, yeah. um, I you know, it, most of these places we go, the events are biggest thing in the whole year you sure know? so the town likes to put money towards it it's good tourism it's good for this you know the, their their city yeah and some towns want to pay it some don't unfortunately uh some of the best ways aren't at some of those towns so sure. of course you know i mean like i said i'm sure they do get good and stuff like that but you watch dusty qualify in the last two events of the year and those events the ways were good yeah the whole last year the ways weren't good once <laughs> was dusty doing the other qs events through the yeah. year he did a few right yeah and he did yeah and it's like not only did he qualify in at holly eva and sunset he sir he was the best surfer in the world at mm-hmm. holly eva and sunset better than the guys who are on the ct winning events exactly like that that says something you yeah, know for sure, if we for sure. as viewers want to witness the best surfing here's a guy who could not put it together throughout the year but you put him in good waves and now he's better than kelly and he wins and gets yeah, yeah. wins the event and gets second so right. i mean I, I don't know i want to see the guys that are the best surfers in the best waves exactly and um yeah i think that's one thing they can improve on for sure is getting better surf and uh yeah i mean I, don't get me wrong the the airs and stuff you know it, doing airs and beach breaks and stuff like that i think it's still really important and mm-hmm. it's good to have a few events like that for sure, sure. Yeah, but there needs to be a balance that's yeah. just just needs to be a balance yeah, yeah. for sure but, you know we had we've had really good waves on tour before too like yeah. we had the Maldives. that way yep. was insane that left it's sick wave and yeah. then, um you know el salvador too and now we got lowers back which is really cool okay good. yeah so that's insane you know the last two years we haven't had lowers that's been kind of depressing because yeah that's a you know it's a perfect wave for a yeah. contest and then um yeah i mean uh you know south africa gets really good too it's just you know it just depends Bolito. yeah Bolito yeah. gets insane so um it's, i think it's about having it at the right time of the year too sure yeah i think uh, that's an important thing and i think um they're kind of getting that now i think uh they're having contests at better times of year mm-hmm. i heard this year they you know are kind of moving events that were a little bit later around so that the waves are good at that time like uh you know like france you know Mm -hmm. they have it kind of i believe they have it too early right so there's you know yeah little adjustments (laughs) that can be made exactly and they're adjusting things to where i was looking at the schedule as well and 
they're having you know a Brazil events you know back to back, which okay. is cool. You know, like so you don't have to I fly have, there twice. Yeah, like yeah. I went to Brazil three times last year. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's inefficient. It's a lot. Yeah. So. Um, in regards to surfboards, like how many boards do you go through in a year? Um, with with Hawaii included. Yeah. Yeah, probably. In a twelve month span, let's say. Oh man, at least twenty something. Twenty something. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, twenty, twenty-five. Who's like that. how does sponsorship long. work with surfboards? Um, do you pay full freight? Do you get a discount? Do you get boards for free? Um, well, I've had the same shaper since I was like nine years old. Tim Carroll's uh, surfboards. Yeah. So he he gives me free boards, and then I I've been working with this guy Robert Weiner, and he's in California, and um, he since I've kind of live out here now, you know, I live here around this time, you know, February to, uh, to November or, you know, and, uh, I've been getting a lot of boards from him just cause it's kind of easier. I don't really go back to Hawaii as much. And so I, I kind of get boards from both of them and, um, you but know, those are free though. They yeah, the trade-ins, like as yeah. a trade-ins. Yeah. Gotcha. So they both are a huge support and, yeah. um, I kind of, yeah, just try to dial in Cali and then Hawaii, I dial it in dial in Cali with Rob and kind of dial in Hawaii with Tim and cool um, yeah it's been it's been good this good. last year has been really good they, they've shaped me some amazing surfboards so yeah I saw like I think last year I saw somewhere Matt Biolis sent 105 surfboards to snapper for the <laughs> event between the women and the men Wow. and it's like how is that even practical yeah. you know if and Maybe not all those guys are getting all their boards for free. Maybe some people are paying cost, but it's like that's an enormous expense. Yeah. Because surfboard shapers aren't getting rich anyways. It's not a high-profit business, you right, know? Right, right, yeah. For so, sure, that's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. <laughs> that's a lot of boards. Do you think guys like Kelly on, like, the absolute upper level actually get paid from their board companies? Um, Do those deals exist? I think they probably get paid for their models that they create. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they probably have their models that they... You know help the shaper you know make and stuff and and they uh, probably get some kind of royalty from that that makes sense yeah what's your plan moving forward for 2015 i mean obviously you're on the cusp of qualifying this past year is that the main goal this yeah, year i definitely want to give it a you know give it a good swing again this year yeah. um you know with, with the wsl and everything kind of happening you know it all the changes i'm really excited to compete and yeah you know, travel and kind of check it out everything that's new it sounds like it's you know getting better and uh it, it's i'm excited to you know yeah. go compete <laughs> trav logie is the commissioner right yeah for the qs that's, <laughs> that's kind of awesome. cool yeah i love trav he's the man do, do um you did 14 events last year what's your plan for this year do you do the same amount or um yeah yeah i'm okay. gonna do well whatever's on that schedule pretty much as far as primes go okay. and um yeah and six stars probably where's and then maybe where's the first event uh well the first event well hawaii right now the vulcan they yeah. just had it and then they have two events in australia and uh the next i think the first one starts on the 9th or so okay february and um so i'm not surfing yet so i'm not going to be doing australia unfortunately okay. but uh my first event will be lowers okay yeah and so. what month is that uh april okay yeah cool yeah so yeah exciting yeah exciting does it put pressure on you missing those first events um yeah but they're not i mean i want to say yeah because they're not primes but missing the Vulcan is pretty heartbreaking and yeah. and the pipe masters i mean 
pipes like one of my favorite ways in the world if yeah. not my favorite and i kind of miss both of those events so yeah totally. that's kind of hard but it's okay i mean um you know i'm really excited for lowers sure i really like that wave a lot oh yeah i i uh can't wait to go out there and surf with you know a couple other guys it's pretty sick you know totally and hopefully i'll just be 100 percent by then that's kind of my main goal cool yeah one of the other things i'm curious about is like just from following you on instagram or social media or whatever it looks like you've been in a long-term relationship yeah right yeah with a woman obviously yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah not a man no should probably point that out um what are the challenges of that like being on the road so much and maintaining a long-term relationship yeah it's it's it definitely is challenging sometimes you know you definitely have to have someone who's extremely understanding you know and um, is she based in hawaii or uh no she's in california oh okay so yeah uh her family lives out here so they okay. that's a, another thing who's been so much support and allowed me to do what i've been able to do is um her family they let me stay with them during you know summertime and stuff like that so without them i would have for sure had to get a job and yeah yeah so <laughs> when you're on the road though how tough is that i mean yeah no it's really tough you know it's a lot of skype it's a lot of texting and calling and you know just you know obviously trust too and um, yeah we we don't have trust issues so that's good and um yeah and just not you know getting jealous or anything like that and that kind of stuff it's just you know know the person know that you know they're going to be true and and uh support them and you know she she's amazing support she supports me so much and yeah, she'll be she's the kind of girl that's up at two in the morning watching my heat and right. you know brazil root me on that's and, awesome you sending me text before like go get it you know yeah, yeah. so yeah i mean that keeps me going too so it's really important to have you know her as my partner it's um that's just a detail that's always fascinated me like watching the pros on on tour and stuff and like how it can be a distraction for some like uh being single can be a distraction for some yep. and then being in a relationship can be a distraction for some mm -hmm. and how each person processes it processes it differently yeah and um now i think things have changed and people make enough money now to where they bring their families with them which is something we didn't see yeah five years ago right you know right for sure parko and the Hobgoods and stuff have like their whole family with them which yeah. is crazy that's the ultimate goal yeah <laughs> for me <laughs> which i think is kind of the ultimate goal which is like if you're always in flux changing getting used to new food and new surroundings that mm -hmm. throws off your competitive um focus for sure and so i think what kelly's done successfully is he's at home everywhere that he goes exactly because he's done it for 30 years now totally and he knows people and it's like he just shows up and it's like sleeping in his own bed eating his own food everywhere yeah. and it's now all about he, comfort yeah 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 it really is that's I, a, it's a huge edge yeah for sure and uh yeah i mean even going to a place that that doesn't speak your own language you know right. it's it's crazy it can be a culture shock especially if it's your first time and um you know you can see things that you might not see every day in america you know yeah. what i mean and it it's a or you know for other people you know vice versa as well mm -hmm. you know brazil coming out here or whatever it's uh it's definitely all about the comfort and um yeah that's the thing i mean kelly's been going to these events for so many years he's obviously has that comfort and yeah I, that's i think that definitely helps and you know he knows the waves he's seen the waves yeah you know and the conditions and the way it's changed a lot more than 
you know, 90, probably 99% of the guys on tour, you know? There's, Absolutely. Yeah, there's no one is at his age still doing it so it seems like he brings his own um diet with him everywhere that he goes too so he's eating the same foods regularly yeah rather than sure. shocking your system you know yeah and it's yeah, it's so. crazy that's that's something that uh you kind of have to give up if you're going to be a pro surfer is, yeah. is the home life because right. it, it's it doesn't exist really you, right you just everywhere you go is a home your home's a suitcase in your board bag yeah <laughs> i would assume though good. Southern California is probably a little more convenient to be located, right, when you're traveling around the world. Yeah. More convenient yeah, yeah. than the Way Big easier. Island. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That's kind of why I made the move out here about three years ago. Pretty much after I lost Bill Wong, I came straight out here. And, okay. Um, yeah, so that that uh, that's helped a lot. And moving out here is, uh, that was probably one of the best moves I've ever made in my career. Yeah. You know, I, I always felt like um, my... I wasn't as good at small waves and beach breaks and stuff like that as a lot of these guys that, you know, surf it every day. There's not really a beach break on the Big Island, so. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was definitely a place I need to improve in, and um, I think it's helping a lot being out here and surfing. Yeah. And being close to, being close to my supporters, too, you know, all right. the sponsors and stuff like that. It's built those relationships, and uh, it's, it's nice when you, you can call someone a good friend, and, you know, they also are your sponsor and right. they want the best for you that's awesome um i did a episode with uh morgan mawson photographer uh-huh. right and um one of the things he told me like in terms of advice that he had for other people who are getting into photography was it's not so much about what you show as it is about what you don't show like uh-huh. everybody thinks with social media and the way that things the internet is like oh let's just put out tons of content uh-huh. and he's like you know you can do that and people have been successful with doing that but um if you put out mediocre content and that's what you're known for it's hard to change people's opinion of you All and right. so he's like what i would recommend for young people is just like dude just put out your a plus stuff and like and just stand behind it and you can always be proud of it yeah and, for sure do you what i'm I bring all that up just to ask you, like, what advice do you have, kind of? I would say um, you've had a bit of a career, but there's still a lot of career ahead of you, especially if you qualify. You. you look at this last portion is just the stepping stones to a long, long career ahead. What is your advice, kind of looking back? Are there any things that you would have changed or uh, advice that you would give to somebody who's just starting up? Um... The way it, it's worked out lately, I, I don't think I would change anything. Um, you know, you know, not having a sponsor was hard, but it definitely made me appreciate a lot of stuff, and um, that that was a good learning process. You know, I I don't like, you know, I mean, obviously, sometimes uh, human nature is, you know, wow, I wish I would have done that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and not that, and obviously, there's a lot of things in my life where I could have done that and been a little you know whatever less reckless or whatever and been a little bit smarter and wiser but yeah. i think um you learn a lot of things with you know with age and and um you know one of the best things um i think is you know making mistakes and then yeah, that's the best way of learning so yeah. yeah i mean i don't think i made any major mistakes but i definitely learned from you know the ones that i did make mm-hmm. and um but as far as advice goes i mean just appreciating your supporters you know yeah and and really uh just kind of doing everything you can to um help a company grow you know like i i feel like the sponsors i have now it's it's very like family oriented you know i feel like they're my good friends 
And not only that, though, I feel like I'm a part of the company rather than um, maybe before where I was like, oh, you know, you know, what can I get out of it? It's kind of like, what can I do to help this company grow? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's the most important thing. And if you do do that, you know, it's not only is it going to make your you know co- company or sponsor happy, it's also going to build your profile, you know, yeah. outstandingly. So. Yeah, I think that was something that uh, I could have noticed at a at a younger age, and just uh, yeah, it, you're in it together and help each other grow. You know. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Because if you're an employee, aside from professional surfing, if you're an employee anywhere, mm-hmm. that is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, and not enough pro surfers, I think, look at their relationship as being an employee of this brand, which yeah. in all reality you are. I didn't. Yeah, for sure. At a young age, I never thought. You know. It was work. Yeah, right. I was going surfing, you know. Right. <laughs> I was going here. I was going there, but it didn't seem like work. But um, no, there is a job aspect to it, and mm-hmm. I think you have to maintain, you know, a, a good, uh, healthy profile, you know, and, and yeah. sponsors will be psyched on that, and and also just, you know, yeah, like I said, just helping each other out. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing, and uh, yeah, at a young age, you don't realize no. that. <laughs> you don't. I'm like, cur- what can I do to get here? Exactly. <laughs> it's not like, you know, what can I do to help my company and help each other grow sure. into something huge? Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, too, like, you're a citizen of the world. You've been able to travel all these amazing places. And you've also seen the sport go through ups and downs yeah. with the things we discussed in this show. Now you see a lot of money being poured in to guys like John John. Um, what are you most excited about? kind of in surfing and then what are you kind of most concerned do you have any concerns about the way things are going um well what i'm most excited about is just watching the sport grow um you know i'm kind of going to touch on two subjects here sure. but um uh being like a competitive surfer i really like the competitiveness in surfing you know i love football i love sports and it's just you know me as a person and I like to see it becoming more professional. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really stoked to see the WSL and, and you know, call it jocks or whatever, if you will. But, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate someone, you know, starting from the bottom and, you know, working their way all the way up to the top and being the best they can be. You yeah. know, I think competitive surfing really portrays that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool thing that's that surfing is growing into and it's cool to watch yeah and uh but um one thing that i don't like really care about that see a lot of people seem to care about is like kind of like you know in surfing it seems like it's like this you know this the way you dress or this sure. profile thing that you portray yourself as being at not caring that much you know like like i care a lot about surfing <laughs> i'm not gonna lie like i care a lot about being in good health and you know being strong enough to do my best you know what i mean yeah you know i mean call it call it call me a jock if you will but i think it's cool you know like definitely surfing does have a a different aspect to it that Mm -hmm. is a lot different than football or something like that you know you don't have to be in the gym every day to be you know good at surfing you know i mean you have to be in the water and there is a connection with nature that is a lot different than most sports but um i think like this road that surfing this trendy road that's kind mm-hmm. of the opposite direction i mean whatever i don't i don't see anything cool about it at all yeah that's how i feel <laughs> right the kind of the apathy of not caring about yeah the apathy of not caring about 
your performance or any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. But yeah, what's interesting is like I feel the same way. I'm not really hip to that scene, but yeah, um, there's brands that market to that culture uh-huh. and therefore they will support those surfers and yeah. both can exist. Yeah. Both things can coexist. I do believe that know? both can exist. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and it is cool in surfing that you kind of can have both of those personalities yeah. for sure. But and I think it, there, I mean, it just needs to be a balance for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that seems like that's where surfing's going. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, one of the kind of final questions we ask everybody is just what was the last surfboard that you rode? I would assume it was at Backdoor. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the last surfboard I rode was at Backdoor. So yeah. what six was four. the board specifically? Is uh, it Tim Carroll? It was a Tim Carroll 6.4, yeah. It's actually um, a board that I probably won't be riding too much anymore because uh, two weeks before that I got a concussion on the same board at Sunset. <laughs> no way. So, yeah, I'll probably... Uh, I don't know there's something left with that board i'm not gonna ride it anymore because i don't know what's next <laughs> how did, did you hit your head on the board for the concussion or how did that happen no it was the water again really at sunset yeah i just yeah like on a free fall drop or what um i well the first stupid thing i did was i tried to do a floater at sunset oh, okay <laughs> on the west bowl i don't think i've ever seen that work out yeah yeah and i kind of i fell back um and i just like landed on the back of my head and lost conscious and oh you did yeah yeah like full saw stars and went black for for you know a moment and uh came up and was kind of like disoriented and then i i uh yeah i've been spending some time at the hospital lately i went to the hospital and (laughs) a couple of days a day later just to make sure everything was okay because that was actually on thanksgiving and uh the sunset you know could have started the next day or so so i was i was battling the concussion thing as as well wow in my heat at sunset and then yeah and then the spleen thing too so yeah. crazy yeah it was kind of a it was kind of a rough winter but Hollywood was great <laughs> <laughs> the waves were pumping and the boys were ripping it was really it was really cool so cool it started off good good yeah <laughs> all right well thank you no worries that's man. all Thanks i got I yeah absolutely Right on. Thank you so much, Tori. Of course, we have videos of everything that we discussed, the wipeout, uh, footage of Tori ripping prior to the wipeout, and even some video clips that I personally filmed when Tori was in town uh, for the U.S. Open in 2012, just free surfing. Uh, so you can check all of that stuff out on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. And then we'll link uh, to Tori's blog from there, as well as his Instagram and everything that you need to know to continue to follow Tori's career and uh, path to the WCT. All right, so check all that out on our website. You can also leave a comment for any of our shows. There's a comment section for every single episode, so feel free to engage there. There's also a music archive for all of the songs that were in every episode of Surf Splendor. And then, of course, continue this conversation on social media, at Surf Splendor, on Instagram and Facebook and all that jazz. All right, so thank you. We will be back next week with an all-new episode. Until then, this is your host of Surf Splendor, David Scales, saying, Shh.
Shred On. Now 